Welcome to the Calvary Baptist Church Podcast. For more information, be sure to visit us at cbctaylorville.com. Listen now as our guest speaker delivers this week's message. Good morning. Wow, what a good looking crowd. Some of you got a hold of that one. The rest of you are like, what, what, what happened? What happened? For those of you that I don't know, and I see some faces out there that I have not seen before, I'm Chris Goodman. I uh, was on staff here for a few years, way back in the old days, early 90s. That's kind of funny to say that now, but that's the way it was. So, and, and right now, my family and I, we've been missionaries to Australia now for 18 years. And you guys, thank you. You have been our supporters. You know, you have been with us from the very beginning. And again, I can't say thank you so much. My wife is not here. She has the shingles. Yeah, so you pray for her. Pray for me that I don't get them. (laughs) Wednesday, we head to Florida to go down there and preach and be in the warm weather. I was going to say, nobody's saying poor thing. Yeah, there we go. (laughs) But we're going to be glad to be able to get down there to where we need some more churches who are wanting to sponsor or help support us. Uh, as we're back here and with everything that happens, we tend to lose churches, and so we have to rebuild those. And inflation hits everyone, doesn't it? So anyway, I'll go back to saying, please pray for my wife that she'll be well enough to go this week. Uh, she's got still a little bit of ways to go. They gave her some medication that was not good to her, and so she's recovering from that also on top of the shingles. Uh, but uh, she sends her love and wishes that she could be here. But we want to thank you so much for allowing us to be your missionaries. And this is kind of uh, unusual for me. I'm used to the, the regular things, but I'll, I'll be okay with this. But I'm just, I, I like something to be able to hide behind in case somebody wants to throw something at me. Somebody said, yeah, I didn't like that at all. <laughs> oh, nah. Okay. Yeah. Say, okay. Now, do you remember how I like to do things? What is this hand over here? Amen. And this side here is... Praise the Lord. For those of you that are going, what's he talking about? In Australia, because I have uh, folks who have never been to church before, a lot of times they don't know how to keep me excited about what I'm preaching on, to keep me encouraged and challenged. So to do that, I like to hear amens and praise the Lord. And I created a sign. On one side it said amen, and the other side I turned it over and said praise the Lord. (coughs) Somebody asked me, where is it? I say it's still packed away. So this hand is amen. Some of you guys, come on now, help me out here. And? Praise the Lord. Well, that one's not so exciting there. Come on. Praise the Lord. There we go. If you'll do that, we'll be in God's house today, and we will have such a wonderful time because you will get me excited that you're excited about being in his house. Are you excited to be here today? Thank you for that. I need that encouragement. Hey, look at that. Man. Tell you what, I, I like to be closer to people, so I'm doing this. Sometimes, somebody's on the camera there, that's great. Because sometimes I like to wonder. And when they have a fixed camera, I feel like I'm trapped. So if I walk down there, the camera, individual, lady, please show, follow me. But we are going to be in God's house today. We're going to hear about how we can make prayer a habit. And of course, that's what we're talking about, habits. Good habits, bad habits, but we're going to talk about prayer, which is a great habit to be into. 
Now, before I go any further, I would like to start out in prayer. But what I'm going to ask you to do is for you to be with me as I pray, you are praying also. You should do this every week as the pastor is there. Ask the Lord to be upon him, me, as we prepare and speak God's word. Because you don't want to hear my wisdom. It's gone in no time at all. But we want to hear God's wisdom. Amen to that. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to start praying, and you pray for me, and that the Lord will be upon this message. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for salvation, Lord, for the forgiveness of sins, the freedom that you've given us because Jesus Christ came. I pray for this message today, Lord, that as I preach it, as the folks are here to listen to it, that our minds will be on you, Jesus, that our minds will be upon your word as we hear it, that we'll take it within ourselves, and, Lord, that we will apply it to our lives. Jesus Christ came and died on the cross for us. Oh, the least we can do, Lord, is to live for you. May we do that this week. May we see people know Jesus Christ as their Savior. If there's someone here today who has never asked for forgiveness of their sins, today might be that day, I pray, Lord Jesus. In your name we pray, amen. All right, before I go into you, you always love to hear my stories, don't you? Okay, some of you are, all right. So a married couple in their early 60s are celebrating their 40th wedding anniversary. And they were at a little romantic uh, restaurant, and suddenly a tiny yet very beautiful uh, fairy appeared at their table. And she said, for being such an example, exemplary married couple, and for being loving to each other for all this time, I will grant you each a wish. The wife answered, oh, I want to travel around the world with my darling husband. The fairy waved her magic wand, and poof, two tickets appeared for a trip around the world on the Queen Mary too. The husband thought for a moment, and he said, well, this is all very romantic, but an opportunity like this will never come again. I'm sorry, my love, but my wish is to have a wife that is 30 years younger than me. The wife and the fairy were very disappointed in him, but a wish is a wish, and the fairy granted. She waved her magic wand, and poof, the man turned into a 92-year-old man. (laughs) Boy, I'm glad you're with me today. Sometimes I I tell these things, you know, Australians have a little bit different uh, sense of humor, so sometimes I tell these things, and they're out there going... So anyway, you're, you're with me. I'm still, I'm still got a little bit of American in me. That's great. As a matter of fact, a new pastor was visiting uh, his members. At one house, it seemed obvious that someone was home. He knocked on the door, but no answer came. He kept knocking. Finally, he decided, well, he's going to leave his business card. And on the back of his business card was Revelations 3.20. So he left that there, and, and he left it in the door. When the offering came about the next Sunday, uh, he found that his card had been returned, and on it was a message Genesis 3.10. So reaching for his Bible, he checked out the citation. He, he saw it, and he broke out in laughter. Because in Revelation 3.20, he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And Genesis 3.10 says, I heard your voice in the garden. Now, I was afraid, for I was naked. <laughs> so there you go, huh? I've got, I've got more stories to tell you, but I tell you what, we need to get into God's Word right now and see what He's got for us today. It's always great to laugh in God's house. Amen to that.
As I said before, I'm telling you, I, I cannot believe how sometimes, as I travel churches all over this country, I see people who, who have lost their love for the Lord. It shows upon their face. It shows upon the way they enter into God's house. Now, I understand we're in pain, a lot of us are. I turned 61 in March. I will turn 61 in March. I know, it's hard to believe, a young, good-looking man like me. But yes, I'm telling the truth. So I want you to understand, I understand pain. But I like to, I, I shared this with you before, I know, that I go into Walmart, I go into any, board, any business, and I'm smiling. And I like to look at people, and I, I like that. And as a matter of fact, I was walking out of Walmart just this past week, and I was wearing some overalls. I was doing some work, so I was wearing some overalls. And I walked out, pushing the cart, and here comes this little old lady. And she sees me, and she goes, I love a man in good overalls. I was kind of shocked, taken aback. She goes, and they're good for women, too. <laughs> and I said, thank you, ma'am. <laughs> Went home pretty proud of myself that day. <laughs> Today, just like last week, when Pastor Chad spoke, we're going to talk about habits and how to bring them into our lives. Habits are something that can be good or they can be bad. And we need to make sure that they are good in our lives. And prayer, prayer is what we're going to talk about today. Prayer is a good habit. Can I get an amen on that one? Yeah, prayer is something we need to look at. Here's the first thing I want us to look at. The goal of the spiritual journey, as has been said, is a transformation of self. That's what we want. We want to become more like Jesus. We want to be a person who walks about the countryside, the cities, the towns, wherever it may be, and people can tell there's something different about us. I, I, I'll go back to the story. I, I'm pretty sure I've shared it. I was out playing golf with this gentleman. He was from Thailand, and we played and played, and finally at the end of it, I asked him, I said, well, what do you do for a living? And he told me. And then he asked me what I do, and I said, I'm a pastor. And, of course, his face lit up. He screamed out loud, I knew there was something different about you. You had this aura. Now, he was actually seeing Jesus Christ through me. And I, I'm not bragging on that. I'm just saying that people need to see who we truly are, and that is Jesus Christ living within us. So let's today look at how prayer can change and transform our lives. And listen to these quotes on prayer. Four things let us ever keep in mind. God hears prayer. God heeds prayer. God answers prayer. And God delivers by prayer. That's by Edward McKeon, Kendry Browns. Now this one here. When a Christian shuns fellowship with other Christians, the devil stops, smiles. When he stops studying the Bible, the devil laughs. When he stops praying, the devil shouts for joy. Corey Ten Boom. Every movement of God can be traced to a kneeling figure. Dwight L. Moody. Some great quotes, aren't they? Prayer is the way you defeat the devil, reach the lost, restore a backslider, strengthen the saints, send missionaries out, cure the sick, accomplish the impossible, and know the will of God, David Jeremiah. Prayer is the vital breath of the Christian. Not the thing that makes him alive, but the evidence that he is alive. Oswald Chambers. I have been driven many times upon my knees, my knees by the overwhelming conviction that I had nowhere else to go. Mine own wisdom and that of all about me seemed insufficient for the day. Abraham Lincoln. Grant that I may not pray alone with the mouth. Help me that I may pray from the depths of my heart. Martin Luther. 
Do you realize that the greatest privilege, the greatest honor that you have of a Christian, and many times the greatest failure of Christians is prayer. We have such an awesome ability to go to God and pray and speak with the God of the universe. We have that chance, we have that, that blessing in our lives to talk with him, to see what he wants us to do in our lives, to be able to, to travel the life that he has planned for us. We, that, is, that is also, for many Christians, their greatest failure. How many times have you done this? Oh, boy, this problem's come upon me. Okay, now I've got to see. What am I going to do here? Okay, I've got it planned out. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'll do this. And, and, and then we extremely try everything we can, use all of our abilities, and then finally we go, I guess it's time to pray. Right? Yeah. We wait until the end when the first thing we should do is, Lord, guide me, show me what to do. But we don't do that. So that can become our greatest failure. There is no substitute in this universe for prayer. Nothing can, in this world can, can substitute for talking with God Almighty. How many times do we make prayer just a... a, a and we make it a habit sometimes, but as I said, good habits and bad habits. Sometimes prayer is, is the way that we just are automatic in it. We don't put much thought into it. I see people all the time, they start to quote a prayer uh, from some, someone that they've heard that was famous. It could be from, from the Bible, you know, the Lord's Prayer. But there's no thought in it. There's no heart in it. It's like my son, if he were to come up to me, oh, gracious Father, I appreciate you today, and I want you to know that I hope that you will grant me my wish and give me $2. I saw this candy bar in the store, Lord, Godfather. Now, I'm not trying to be blasphemous, but I'm just saying. That kind of approach to me, I'd be like, son, what's your problem? <laughs> you know, I, I, would, I would want him to come to me and say, Dad, I really would like a candy bar. Can I have some money to buy a candy bar? I don't want him to flourish it with a bunch of words that he never uses, and I'm going to be shocked that he even knew them. <laughs> I want him to be honest and open with me. I want him to share what his desire is so that I know how to fulfill that. Now, God knows everything, doesn't he? But I think sometimes we need to speak our heart to God and not just vain and re repetitious words. If you were in an accident and you were to uh, lose a leg, you could be given a substitute, an artificial leg. If you were to be, uh, uh, lose your hearing, you could be given a substitute, a hearing aid. And if you had a tooth go bad, well, you could get a substitute. You could get a crown or, or an implant or something like that. Being a great preacher is not a substitute for prayer. Energy is not a substitute for prayer. Enthusiasm, excitement is not a substitute for prayer. Intellect, having brains, being able to say fancy words in a prayer, that is not a substitute for true heartfelt prayer. There is no substitute for prayer in the entire universe. Prayer is so important. We're going to look at Matthew chapter 7. So if you've got your Bibles and you want to turn there or your uh, electronic devices, and I'm sure they're going to be on the screen here. Matthew chapter 7. We're going to start with verse 7. Jesus says right here, Ask, ask, and it shall be given you. Seek. And ye shall find, knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh, receiveth. 
And he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Or what man is there among you of you of whom his son asked bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he give him a serpent? If ye then being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask of him? The reasons for prayer. I've warned many times of, of the need for prayer. Have you ever thought about that? Why, why do we need to pray? Well, why does God want us to pray? He knows everything about us, doesn't he? He knows all of our heart's desires. He knows what we have need of in our lives. So why do we go to him in prayer? Why should we pray if he knows everything? Well, in Matthew chapter 6, in verse 7 through 8 says, But when you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask him. We do not pray to impress God. Can you pray to impress the Lord God Almighty, creator of this whole universe? Can you say any words that he has not heard before that he doesn't even know your thoughts? There is nothing you can do to impress God. I, I, like, to, um, I like to ask people, uh, why do you pray? Do you pray to inform God? God knows what you have need of, doesn't he? He knows what your life is in need of. So why do you pray? Why do you ask him those things? We pray. Here's why we pray. We pray to invite God to work in our hearts and our lives. Because sometimes as a Christian, I don't know how you are, I get full of myself and I think I can handle everything. I think that I can take care of all. I'm a fixer. I mean, if my wife says, honey, this, the thing broken. I'm, Where's it at? Where's it at? I want to fix it. I'll fix it. I'll fix it. You know, she's like, settle down. Let me tell you. It broke and I fixed it. But we pray to invite God to work in our lives. And I can't do anything that he doesn't already know about. But why do I pray? Because I want him to show me his power in my life. I want to see God work in my life. Do not pray and use vain words, it says. Well, what do you mean by vain words? Well, words can be vain when they're repetitious, as we said before. If we're praying and using the same words over and over, how would you like it if every time, every morning, you got up and you met your wife or your husband, and it was the same thing? Good morning, thou wife. How art thou today? Good to see thee. Be with me today, wife, as I travel through the day. Bye-bye. <laughs> that marriage would not last long. Or, or I might be uh, scared to go to sleep at night if I did. <laughs> If we're praying and using the same words each and every time, they are vain words. If you sit down and prepare to eat, and I see it happen all the time. And it's really funny to see some Christians in, a, let's say, a restaurant or something like that, you know, and, and they're there and they're like, Dear Lord, thank you for this food. They did them. We got that out of the way. You know, and I wonder, I, I wonder how, how, are they ashamed of Jesus? You know? Are they scared to show the world that they are a Christian? And I'm not meaning you got to stand up in the whole restaurant and start screaming out your prayer. But I think that we don't need to be ashamed of Jesus, right? Amen? Amen. Thank you. If there's no real thought, listen to the second word. Or passion in your prayers, they're vain words. 
If you don't have a heart that's in that prayer, if you don't have a desire to see, truly see God answer what you're saying, some people pray and all they do is say these words or make this prayer request to God, please heal so-and-so and, and, you know, and, and uh, take care of, uh, they've got cancer and help, help them and, and they go through it, but they don't think about the individual. They don't pray with a sincere heart. Now, I'm not talking about those that are our own loved ones. We generally do that. I want to give us three purposes to prayer. The one first one is the delight factor. The delight factor. He says there in John 15, 4, abide in me is what he's telling us. He is the vine and we are the branches. We know that's true from scripture. And God can do anything without us. Did you realize that? God doesn't need us to rule this world. God doesn't really need us to witness for him because he says he could use the rocks to cry out. But God does want to use us. He, he wants us to be, to choose him, to choose God, to do everything in our lives. You know, I'm, I'm preaching this message and I'm going, you know, this stuff is, I've heard it so many times, I've preached it so many times, it's so, it's kind of repetitive. But I think that a lot of times we need repetitive things in our lives to bring them back to memory so that we're reminded this is how you're supposed to live. When you talk to God, it should be from the heart. It should be, as I said, with passion. But God chooses not to do anything without us. Have you ever thought about that? You and I, God chooses to use us. You have a special place in this church. Without you and your position in this church, the thing that you bring to this church, this church would suffer. You believe that one? Yeah. Yeah. Each one of us has a unique gift that only you bring into this church, into Calvary Baptist Church. And without you, the church suffers. As Pastor said last week, you know, some people think that they can miss a a Sunday, and it's okay. But it starts down a habitual road that they start missing more and more Sundays. But God wants to use us, and he delights in using us. And I think that's pretty cool that God wants to use me. Excuse me. I remember back um, when I first came to work here, and I was given the task of preaching. Oh, boy. I guess you could call it preaching. (laughs) And you're going, boy, I sure haven't learned much now, have you? (laughs) Well, thank you for that. No, no, you didn't. But I'm just saying to you. When I started out, I'm going, God, you're, you're choosing me as a preacher? I don't, I don't get it. I, I can't hardly stand in front of people. I mean, I would have, today I have 20 pages of notes. Now, that's because the font is like huge, so I don't have to use these. All right. So that's why. So don't go there. But anyway, when I was younger, I'd write out these pages and pages of notes. And I'd get up there and I'd go through it and I'd go, oh, boy, it must have been 30 minutes. 10 minutes? What happened? i got another 20 minutes to fulfill. What am I saying? I'm saying I'm surprised that God uses me. I'm so thankful that he uses me. He chooses to use me. So he's developing me. He's making me into someone who has more knowledge of him. I'm not bragging about it. I've got so much to learn. As I study God's word, have you, have you realized this yet? There's so much more than I'll ever be able to comprehend. As I, as I learn more and more, I go, Wow. I've got so much to learn. And then when I come and preach and I go, you mean I've only got an hour to preach? I'm joking. (laughs) 
Some of you are going, oh, me. <laughs> but as we do this, we start to develop and grow as Christians. We become more like Christ as we seek out answers from him and try to get him to show us what it is he wants us to do in our lives. Think of it like this. If a boy wants to ask out a girl, okay, he goes to her and he asks her and she says no. He begins to wonder, well, maybe it's because of my breath. I'm going to brush my teeth better. I'm going to get my teeth all fixed up nice. So then he goes back to her and he says, hey, would you like to go out? She says, no. Oh, he goes, okay. So maybe he thinks to himself, well, it's probably my messy hair. So he starts combing his hair, putting gel in it, you know, making it all look good. So he goes back to her and he says, hey, would you like to go out? She says, no. Okay, then what is the problem here? What's, what, why doesn't she want to go out with me? I know. It's how I smell. I'm going to take more showers. I'm going to put on cologne. I'm going to make myself smell really good. Then he asks her out again, and she says, yes. Now, why does she say yes? Because he has made changes in his life that affect the way that she looks at him. Do you understand what I'm saying there? I think this is the way it is for prayer. We ask God for something, and it doesn't come. So what do we do? We go, well, Lord, is it because of this in my life, or is it because of that? Is it because I'm not truly, totally committed to you, God? Is it, is it my lack of Bible study? I'm not in the Word of God. We begin to seek the answers of why, God, why are you not answering my prayers? It helps us to grow. We make changes to make us more like Christ. Now, we, the Holy Spirit works those changes out, but we are the ones who put forth the effort. So we become more and more like Jesus. And God goes, you know what? You're ready for that prayer to be answered. I didn't say yes that you, God says yes. You know that, right? You don't get, does everybody, anybody in here ever get a yes to all their prayers? Not a hand up in here. There's three answers. Yes, no, wait, or delay. It causes us to improve ourselves. The dependence factor is the third thing. God never wants us to live independent of him. He wants us to be needful of him. To, to do things without praying is foolish. Amen? Sorry. Okay. We would not be dependent on him if we just expected him to do everything for us. We would not trust him if we just knew that he was going to do it without our prayers. John 15.5 says... I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. There's a lot of Christians who think they go through, they go through life and they think that I'm something. I've been a Christian. You know, I've been saved now, uh, let me see, 53 years. 54 this coming March. And... A lot of times we get to where we say, well, I grew up in this church. Or I've been attending that church forever. I, I've been, you know, I, I, I've been a deacon. I've been a, a treasurer. I've, I've been a, a preacher. I've been a missionary. I'm something. We are nothing before God Almighty. But through Jesus Christ, we are something. Praise the Lord. Got you on that one. <laughs> Got to be paying attention to me. It would be sad if God were to run this universe and leave us out of it, wouldn't it? He chooses to use us. Now, there are three habits to prayer that I want to go over today. <coughs> habits, as Pastor Chad said, have lasting effects. And when it comes to prayer, 
It's a habit you most definitely want to continue in. Everyone in this room, everyone here needs to grow their prayer life. Are you happy with where your prayer life is right now? You shouldn't be. I'm not. I recognize I need more prayer in my life. I, I need it to be in everything that I do. Every decision. What, really? Every decision? Come on. You can't mean that. I do mean that. I love what Pastor Chad said last week, week and as I said earlier about attending church. And I, hear you, I want you to hear me here. Your prayer life is the same way. Okay? Once you start to skip praying, it becomes easier and easier to skip praying. And prayer is what most Christians need. Listen to this. Prayer is what most Christians need to breathe in God. Now, I don't mean the Holy Spirit. You've already got the Holy Spirit. But to breathe in what God wants for you. To take in what God has for you. Do you want to be a happy person? Yeah. Do you want to be fulfilled? Do you want to have, instead of happiness, do you want to have joy? Do you want to be somebody that the world goes, what is different about you? Have you ever had that asked? Yeah, I have. And I go, well, let me tell you, somebody changed me. Don't confuse this. We already have it, as I said, the Holy Spirit living this. What I'm saying is when you breathe in God, you begin to understand and know what God wants for you. What he wants for you. You begin to comprehend what he wants for your life. I've, uh, <laughs> I wish that we had all the time in the world for me to just share with you the answer prayer that God has given me as a missionary. Right now, our biggest prayer, and I'll ask you to pray for us about this. Where, Lord, do you want us to go back to start a new work in Australia? That's a prayer request I'm asking you. Please pray with me about that. Will you do that? All right, thank you. There was one time... When we were, we were, uh, I, I can't, I, I preach so much, I forget where I've told these stories, but I'll share that with you again. We were traveling from church to church, and we were out in West Wyoming. Uh, well, maybe not West, but East Wyoming. And we were in a church, and that Sunday after we started leaving, and we, we would just have a drive around before we head off, because we had a long drive. It was about eight eight-hour drive after that. And so we started cruising around the the hills of, of Wyoming, looking at the beautiful countryside. And all of a sudden, I stopped, and I turned, and the, the motorhome just like that, and it shut down. And so I pull off to the side of the road as, as, as good as I could, and I start cranking it, and nothing happens. Nothing happens. And I'm, I'm just like, man, what is this? Because I don't know much about diesel engines at all. So I'm just sitting there, and I'm thinking, Lord, show me what to do. Tell me what to do. And I didn't really put it in a prayer request. I just said, show me, you know. So then I started praying, and my wife and I started praying. And we prayed and said, Lord, we have no idea what to do. Out in Wyoming, there's no phone reception. <laughs> Not with our service provider anyway at that time. So we're sitting there, and we're thinking, what are we going to do? We're stuck on the side of the road. We need to travel to Topeka, Kansas to be in another church. So finally, somebody comes by. After we prayed, well, you need any help? Yes, we do. And he stops by and he says, well, I, I don't know a whole lot about him, so I'm not really going to be able to help you much, but I can give you my phone. It does work. So he gave us a phone. We, we called this place. It was 100 miles away. They sent a truck 100 miles to get us and take us back. 
And all I can think about, this is when we first became missionaries. I'm thinking to myself, Lord, what are you doing? I don't have the money for something like this. So we get there, they take it, and they, they diagnose it, and they say that you need a sending unit for your gas tank. You've got to pull the gas tank. It's going to be $2,500. And the bill for the towing was $300. So I'm looking at $2,800. I said, well, we need it fixed, so I guess we'll just trust the Lord. And we prayed, and we said, Lord, we have no idea how this is going to happen. This is all in your hands. So at that time, we had a geo tracker. How many of you remember those things? Okay, enough said. So we got in that thing, no air conditioning, in July, in Wyoming and Kansas, and drove from Cheyenne all the way to Topeka, Kansas, eight hours, with no air conditioning, the windows down, and you know, just driving along in that heat. We get to this church, and they had a hotel room for us, <coughs> and that morning we went to the church, and we began to, I preached, and I shared what the Lord was going to do in Australia, and what we were looking to do. And the pastor said, well, go back into this room back here. He, and we put, he put us in his office, I think it was. And he went out to the church, and he's out there. And we, had, we hadn't, listen, we're just praying that they'll take us on for support. We hadn't shared any of our needs with them at all of what had happened. And so the pastor comes back in, and he's crying. Tears are coming down his eyes, and, and out of his eyes. And I said, I said, what, are, you, are you all right? He says, oh, he says, I can't believe this. He says, we have never taken up an offering for a missionary like this before. And I, I just can't believe my people have given so much. And it wasn't a big church. It was a church running maybe about 100 people. It wasn't that huge. And so he, he, he hands me a check. And he says, and we're taking you on for support. And I said, thank you so much. And, and he goes, and by the way, that check is for $2,800. Wow, so many times we miss out on what God is doing because we don't go to him and ask him to show us. I could have gone away and said, you know, I'm going to cancel that church. I'm not going to drive that eight hours because I just can't do that. And, and I just, it's just too much for me. It was hard driving back again. But you know what? It was so much cooler because they had $2,800 check in our hands to pay for all the repairs. And my wife and I were just so excited to see what God has done in our lives. We can't comprehend what he's got for us. You can't comprehend what God has in store for you. And until you get down and you trust him and put your faith in him, you'll never know. Prayer should be as natural as breathing. When something happens in your life, the first thing you should do is go, Dear Lord, and it might be a request for help, or it might be a thank you. We don't thank the Lord enough. We don't tell him, thank you for all that you've done for me. How can you and I know what God's will is for us if we don't spend time talking with him? How can my son, when he comes to me and asks me, Daddy, about something or another, how can he know if I don't talk with him and share with him the dangers that I have learned in my life? He will not know them. And you know what God says to you and I? He says, come talk with me so I can share with you the dangers that are coming in your life. Some things will take us from God. Some things will draw us closer to God. But it all depends upon your prayer, your prayer life. He said, ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. Ask, and ask often. We need to ask often. Now, I've, got, I've gotten about five pages of my notes. So we've only got 15 more to go. Praise the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. 
No, I'm joking. I'm moving fast now. You hang on tight because I'm going to speak really fast, all right? We need to ask often. We need to ask with honesty and seriousness. And then we need to ask again and again and again, and you get the picture. Keep asking. Why? Until God gives you an answer. You may not like the answers we said before, but you will get an answer. We are commanded to ask God. <clears throat> I believe the scriptures are teaching us that we need to make a business out of prayer. Have you thought about that? What do you mean a business? I mean you need to go at it with the seriousness of starting a business or running a business. Say, dear Lord, I'm here today. I'm here to talk to you. I'm here to share with you. I know you know what's in my life, but I just want to tell you about it. And I just want you to know what is happening. And God will just take what you have given him, and he will answer you. He may not answer you right away, but he will answer you. So I want you to know, our relationship with the Lord is not a business relationship. I'm saying we need to go at it with that same type of attitude of, I'm going to get this done with God through prayer. Go at it with all seriousness and determination that you got. You know, do you realize that the great problem with prayer is not the unanswered prayer? It's the prayer that is, un, un, uh, that is never asked. That, that's what Unanswered prayer is not true in the sense that it's just probably delayed prayer. But the prayer that never gets asked is the most dangerous kind that we've all got in our lives. Prayer that is not given to God is just sad. It's a tragedy. James 4, 2, ye have, yet ye have not because ye ask not. James recognized it way back then, and he said that to us. We don't have because we forget to ask God. We try to work it out in our own ways as a Christian. And he spake a par Luke 18, 1, and he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. Not to faint, not to give up, not to quit. You always are commanded to pray. Matthew 14, 38, watch ye and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. The spirit truly is ready, but the flesh is weak. Hey, I don't know about you, but boy, my flesh fights with my spirit all the time. The old man inside of me wants to fight with the Christian guy that's, that's known for years and years what God will do if I just simply turn my life over to him and trust him. But the old man wants to say, come on now, you can do this on your own. You don't really need to go to God in prayer. I don't mentally say that, but it is, it's an attitude that happens. Okay, Philippians 4, 6, be careful for nothing. Don't worry about anything. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Some people say, well, why should I pray about everything? It's, if it's about you as a Christian, then you should pray about it. Prayer should be as natural and as normal, as we said, as breathing. I'm reminded of the story of a lady who was going into a parking lot. She was at, uh, uh, I don't know where it was, but it's a Walmart or something like that. She, she's looking at the front door, and she's just like, boy, there's no parking spots at all. I may have shared this with you. And she goes, Lord, I'd like a parking spot right near the front. Oh, wait, there's one right there. Never mind, Lord, I got one. <laughs> what happened? Her prayer was answered so quickly, she didn't see God in that. How many times do we do that? We forget to see God. Sometimes, I think we pray in our hearts, and we don't actually physically say the words, but in our hearts and our minds, we're asking God to help us, and he answers that prayer so quickly, and we go, oh, wow, that, I got an answer, but it must not have been God. It was already in the works. Nothing that happens is without God. Amen? 
Isn't it sad that her prayer was answered so quickly that she just ignored that God was at work? People will sometimes say to me, isn't it a little silly to pray about a parking spot or something like that? But you know what? The little things in life, when you pray and you get answers to them, they then teach you how to trust God for the greater things in your life. Well, you know, but parking spots, hey, wherever you need to start, you start there. I, I, if you had told me when I first came on staff here in the early 90s that I would be a missionary to Australia, I said, <laughs> I can't go to Australia. I hate that country. I, I'm saying that to you with honesty. I hated Australia because when I grew up there, they were anti-American. I got picked on. I got into fights. I had to stand up for myself. I was called a Bible basher. I've shared this with you before. I, didn't, I said, when I left there at 18, I said, I'm going to Bible college. I'm getting away from here, and I am never coming back. God goes, oh, really? <laughs> How foolish oh, you are. You know, I don't know what he said, but you know, I'm saying it. I believe that, as I said, when we pray over the little things, we progress as Christians. We grow stronger. We're able to ta tackle the larger things in our lives. When I started out, my dad taught me how to change the oil in the car, how to rotate the tires, how to work on brakes. And those were things that I, I learned from him. And as things went along, I learned then to change out alternators and starters and, and, and pull apart a, a motorcycle engine from scratch, take it all the way down to the block, and rebuild it again. But I didn't start out with that the first day. The first day, I started out with just changing the oil. And God has done that in you. The little things in your life are preparing you for the bigger things in life. Pastor said it last week, our life is a sum total of the little decisions that we make. <coughs> let's bring prayer to this. Let's, let, let's, let's make prayer. Let's commit as a church to make sure that we cover the little things in life. And God will then move us on to bigger things. Some people go, well, I don't want bigger problems. <laughs> That's the view you have right now. Just wait as you grow as a Christian. The bigger things won't be so big because your faith has grown. The little things will show the decisions in our lives. Will we be ruled by the Holy Spirit or will we be ruled by ourselves? Because if we don't see the little prayers in our life as important, we will miss the hand of God that's all around us. You know, the, you know the, I, I understand the prayer some people pray. Dear Lord... We're about to take this journey right now, and we would ask you to show us, how, you know, come with us, help us, and work with us, and so forth like that. They want God to join them. I understand the prayer. But what we should really be praying, and this is not original with me. I learned this from somebody else, and I thought, this is awesome. What we should really be praying is, God, show me where you're working, and I'm going to join you. God's at work all around us. The problem is we don't have the eyes to see him working, and we need that. Oh, my goodness. You're getting me, slowing me down. You're holding me back. Let me keep going now. Let's get back to why we should pray. If you can't pray about it, you have no business wanting it. If you can't pray, pray about it, it's wrong to have it. You know, if you, if you my goodness, you know, you, you pray for things. Have you ever been fishing? I'm the worst fisherman in the world. People take me out at churches that I go to in Florida, the, the kind of the capital of fishing, and these guys go, hey, you go with me, you'll catch anything. I'll catch, I guarantee you, you'll be pulling in fish like never before. All right, let's go. So we go out there, 
Okay, over there. Four hours later, goes the guy goes, I can't believe this. I've never had such bad luck in my life. I said, welcome to my world. <laughs> as soon as you touched me, you were infected. <laughs> but I pray. I prayed about fishing. I said, dear Lord, please answer my prayer. Give me a fish. Just one fish. I got a fish. Whoa, this is cool. I know why people like fishing now. Lord, can I have another fish? He gave me a fish. You know what I did then? I quit praying. Because I had two, and I was afraid the next one I may not get answered because now I'm getting greedy. You know, so I didn't keep praying. But God answered that prayer. The second habit to prayer is seek. Pursue the answer. That's what seeking is all about, pursuing an answer from God. When you're seeking, you're on a quest. You're trying to find out something from God. And again, let's go back to Pastor's sermon last week. What do you want to become? Do you want to be a person who prays, or do you want to become a person of prayer? I want to be a person of prayer. I don't want to be just someone who squirts out words or just spurts out words and says these things. I want to be a person who people come to me and say, would you pray with me about this? You bet. Why? Because they've seen prayer at work in my life. When you're seeking, you're on a quest. You could say an adventure. When you're seeking, you're, you're trying to find something of great value. You know, uh, you're looking for the answers that only the Lord can, can give. And when you're seeking the Lord will tell you, I only, or you're saying to him, I only want what you want for me. That's the key right there. If you're in the spirit and you're praying for something, you're saying, Lord, give me this, but only if you want it for me. Because if you don't say that part, it's really about selfish desires. I see it all the time in the lives of so many people. They pray asking the Lord for blank. But they never take into consideration, is this really what God wants from me? Hey, the billion-dollar lottery thing out there. <laughs> I bet you there's a lot of people all around this world who, oh, Lord, I could do so much for you if I had a billion dollars. You know, I'd give it to missions, Lord. Oh, yeah. And they go on and on. They're so spiritual about it. But why do they want a billion dollars? They want it for themselves. It's not really about him. I've seen it. How many times have we seen money ruin people? This week, it was reminded to me again, Elvis Presley. Fame and fortune like you wouldn't believe and died of an overdose of drugs. This week, his daughter passed away. Probably from the same thing. We don't know for sure. Two years ago, his grandson killed himself. Folks, I don't want that legacy for my family. I, you can keep that billion dollars. And you say, are you crazy? I'm, I'm telling you, I would rather my children, my grandchildren, my great-grandchildren love the Lord and know him as their Savior than to have that money. <coughs> Our prayer should be, Lord, is this good for me? Lord, is this what you desire for me? James 4, 3 says, ye ask and receive not because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your own lust. He says, your prayers are about yourself. You want it this because you want to see it. You want to have a better clothes. You want to have better cars, better food to eat, and so on and so Better houses. That's not what God wants for us. He wants us to love him and serve him. He, he may give those things to you. And there's many people in this world who are wealthy, and they return it back to God because they know he's the one that gave it to them. But vain and selfish desires are not of God. Can I get an amen on that one? Lord, as I said, I, I don't want that billion dollars anymore. That, that is not for me. 
To live by faith is a wonderful and exciting privilege that God bestows upon us as Christians. And I'm telling you what, you want to be somebody who wants to see God at work? Become a missionary. Travel all around the world and, and see people that you've never met before and people who are different, people who dress different, talk differently, think differently, act differently. And, and you try to witness to them about Jesus Christ and you have to find unique ways of doing that. And it's fun. Sometimes it's kind of discouraging. So pray for me. Amen. Thank you. People want God to, to do that. Now, I'm going to go on here, but I want, I want to get to our next one. I can tell you with all certainty that the thing God wants most for you and I is that we seek him. That we seek God. That's what he wants for you and I. James 4.8 tells us, draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts. Ye double-minded. Isn't that the problem with most, most of us today? We're double-minded. We've got one foot in the world and one foot in the church. And we try to live that way. You cannot be that way as a Christian. You cannot do it. Okay, so the third habit, knock. You've got to have determination. Determination to don't quit. Keep on knocking until you get the answer. I've got a lot more verses here, but I, I, want, to get, I want to get to this one right here. This is Luke 11. 1 through 5 through 10. And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. You know, I think that's so cool right there. The disciples watched Jesus praying, and they saw how much power he had, and what it was all about that they said, teach us to do that. You don't have to be taught to pray. All you have to do is just open up your heart and your mind to the Lord. I'm thankful that I don't have to learn a bunch of words that I can just share my heart with God. Verse 5, and he said unto them, Which of you shall have a friend and shall go unto him at midnight and say unto him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has come in his journey, has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. And he from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not, the door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give thee. I say unto you, Though he will not rise and give him because he is his friend, yet because of importunity he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. And I say unto you, ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened to you. For everyone that asketh, receiveth, and he that seeketh, findeth. And to him that knocketh, it shall be opened unto you. And I could go on and share all these other parables that the Lord shows us. What is it when he gets through all these verses that we have coming up here is that God says to us when we finally get through it all, he's not saying that, God's an unjust God. He's not saying that God's a selfish neighbor. He's not saying that God's a respecter of person. He, the Bible here is teaching us that we need to press through in prayer. Don't quit and give up until you get an answer. The answers could come. You may not like the answers. And then when you do hear the answer of God, quit praying. But keep knocking. Keep knocking. Don't quit. Don't give up on prayer. Prayer is a talking with God, and God will reveal to you the answers that you need. And I see it here, and, and Elijah goes, you remember the story about how the, 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 the soldier came to Elijah and says, I'm, I've got this leprosy, and I need it cleansed. And Elijah says, go down to the river and baptize yourself seven times in the water. Put yourself in the water seven times, and you'll be healed. So we went down there. What would have happened if he'd only done it six? Wouldn't have been healed. But he kept on to that seventh time. And kept on to the seventh time. You know what Jesus did when he was in the garden of Gethsemane? It says the Lord prayed three times that this might be taken away from him. 
Jesus didn't just pray one time and stop. He did it three times. And if the Lord saw a need to keep on praying about it until he got his answer, shouldn't we keep on knocking? Shouldn't we keep on praying? Shouldn't we keep on seeking God in our lives? Today, the problem with most Christians is, one, they don't read their Bible. And two, they don't pray. They don't pray. Ask, seek, knock. Jesus laid it out there for us. I'm going to ask you to go ahead and stand and bow your heads and close your eyes. I, I don't know if there's someone here today who has never had the first prayer in their life to say, Dear Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. Forgive me. If that's you, this is a time when somebody here will share with you Jesus Christ if you'll come down. Or after the services, get with someone and they will show you how you can have the forgiveness of sins. Christian, are you here today? And prayer is not as important to you as it should be. You can commit to that. I'll close out in prayer right now. Lord, as we come to you today, we, we want to just share with you our heart's desires to know you better. To know what you want for us in our lives. To have the Holy Spirit guiding us. To not be praying for selfish desires, to be praying to get closer to you, Lord, to draw near to you. If there's someone here today who has never met you, Jesus, who doesn't know how to have the forgiveness of sins today, they'll do that. If there's a Christian here today who says, I've not prayed like I should, I'm going to commit to being honest and sincere and open and seeking the Lord and what he has for me. Help us to be those kind of people in this lost and sinful world, Lord Jesus. Thank you for Calvary. Thank you for the desire to be a lighthouse in this community. And for each person that is here, I thank you for their time and their heart's desire to hear about you, Jesus. In your name I pray.